Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. There's a lot of questions that I'm asking myself and a lot of checking myself. Am I focusing on the thing that's actually important or do I need to let go of something else that I've been holding on to too tightly? Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 172. In this episode, I'm joined by Allie Edwards for a candid conversation about releasing control in life and crafting. We chat about making intentional choices to find balance, letting go again and again and again, and why she's the most relaxed about scrapbooking. Hey, Allie, welcome to Scrapbook Your Way. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to chat with you. I know we were talking just before we jumped on about how this is a long time coming. Yes, that is yeah. for sure. I've wanted to have you on and I was waiting for kind of the right topic to just come across my desk and this was definitely the one. But yeah. can you kick things off by sharing a little bit about yourself if for those of our listeners that may not know you very well? Sure. My name is Allie Edwards and I am a Pacific Northwest person. Grew up in the Pacific Northwest and live in Oregon. I am currently part of a blended family. We've got five kids from 13 to 20, and that's a, a big part, I feel like, of, of life right now, specifically dealing with, not dealing with, celebrating teenagers. That's what we're doing. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and I started scrapbooking when Simon, who's my 20-year-old, when he was uh, a little less than a year old. And so I've been scrapbooking since then. So that's, you know, almost 20 years now, Hold on, close, close to 20 years and, um, have, can't imagine my life without it. Uh, it's something that is just so ingrained in who I am, the photography, the writing, the storytelling, the crafting, the, just all of it, um, is, it's just such a piece of my life. And when I first started, I never imagined that it would be what it is in terms of a business that supports our family and, and things like that. I just did it because I loved it and it was fun and had opportunities come my way. And it just kind of ballooned from there to where now I have a website and we have products and classes and all the, all the good stuff to help support people that want to tell their stories. Yeah. It's been incredible to watch your growth. I think I found you uh, either December daily, 2009 or 2010. And I was yeah. just so intrigued about what are, what are you doing with all these little pages? And, and back then it was very almost, almost more like it is now, like very mixed media. Let's combine all the things together. And yeah, it's gone through lots of phases. I love projects. So I like things that have a beginning and an end. And I think as we talk more about some of your questions later on, I think that's something that 
that I'm really like, I just really enjoy that part. Like I, I don't necessarily feel like I need to be scrapbooking all of the time, every single thing, but having some of these projects that I can return to again and again, I'm really good at consistency. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Returning back again and, and building community around projects and having it be something that a lot of people do uh, together, I think has been, has been really, really fun and life-giving. Well, those projects have kind of natural boundaries. And I think we'll we'll talk a little bit about how that kind of helps. Yes. I think both of us. Yep. Give me the, I love boundaries. Give me yes. the boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I'd love to ask my guests, what is exciting you right now in memory keeping? It could just be a random product, an app, a class, a person, an idea, something that you've come across that's really lighting your fire. So I think you are probably going to laugh at what my answer to this is, but my answer right now is not doing all the things. Like Mm. that's the thing that is actually the most exciting to me and really trying to, like I'm, I'm continually trying to take my own temperature of like how much is too much and how much, you know, how much do I want to do and how many stories do I want to tell and, you know, kind of this there's a constant, you know, for a variety of reasons, kind of those constant questions that are rolling around in my head. And I think giving myself a little bit more permission to not do all the things and to be able to step back in certain areas is actually the most exciting um, it can be, yeah. thing to me. You know, there's always going to be more products, right? There's always going to be um, more interesting people coming up. There's always just going to be more stuff. But I think for me, it's, I feel most excited about really kind of coming term to terms for myself of not having to do all of the things and still be able to be a part of the community, even if you're not participating in every single project or doing, you know, storytelling yeah. every day, which I think is just not realistic anyway. Well, and I know that, gosh, so many different thoughts. Yeah, I know I I'm always asking <laughs> myself about like, what is enough yep. in a day, a project in a quarter, a year, and constantly asking that question of, okay, how does this feel? Can I go, can I go a bit less? Or do I need to work a little bit harder? Do I need to push myself? You know, how do we redefine enough as our lives are always evolving? Yes, totally. And I think that the constant questioning can be exhausting also, you know, where it's, where, where we spend a lot of time in that space of like, is this the right, is this the right thing? Is this enough? Is this, am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? You know, I, which I think is just probably for a lot of people personality wise, just something <laughs> that, that there's a lot of questions and a lot. So yes. yeah. So we're always thinking. Yes. Yes. I would definitely say though. Yeah. As someone who creates a lot of products and a lot of classes and a lot of opportunities for people, it's kind of a, a, a unique uh, point of encouraging that thoughtfulness upon your customers and your community um, while still delivering all the things. Yeah, I think it's, it's such a, you know, it's been such an interesting experience to me to go from a space where it was just me, right, for a mm-hmm. long, long, long time, like whether it was product design or creating classes, like it was just me doing my own thing. And as the team as a as a team has grown um, for a lot of reasons. Partly just because I couldn't, I, there was no way to grow without bringing on other people. Like I just can't do it all myself, and I don't. I am not driven in the same way that other people might be driven to 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 go 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 and build build build. And I'm kind of more of like a slow growth <laughs> slow growth kind of person. And sometimes it takes me a long time. I think to 
realize, oh, it would be okay for me to step away from this, you know, in the way that it is so that it can be, so that can continue on without me to some extent um, and be just something that is for the community of people that want to participate. I don't know if that makes sense. It's kind of. No, it does. Um, it reminds me kind of of succulents and cactuses because I always kill them because I overtend them. And yeah. so I think it's that example of like some things you need, they get to a point you need to maybe step back a little bit for allow the, the thing to thrive. Well, and also what you said, like I, you mentioned, you know, designing products too. And I think that that's something that p- people don't always understand. Like I am one of the people that is sitting here at my computer um, actually designing the products, right? Like I am sitting here and I'm doing the cards and I'm doing, you know, stickers and I'm doing a variety of different things, which I love, but that in and of itself takes up a, a great deal of space in your head, like to get mm-hmm. in that mode where you're creating those kinds of things. And then the shifting back and forth between that piece of it as well as the, okay, now I'm going to create a class and now I'm going to make a video for YouTube. And now I'm going to just scrapbook to share scrapbook pages. You know, there's just, there's so many different pieces, I think, of what we do. And from a business standpoint, our goal lately has been, how can we get me doing the things that I am really enjoying doing and then have other people that can take care of some of the other different things, which then expands the community just, you know, by bringing in additional voices and additional people and, and all that. So it's a, it's an ongoing. When I think you've talked about how you've needed help just to figure out, okay, what, what month are we working in right now? Am I in the present? Am I in the future? Uh, yeah. Because you're constantly delivering things that are new to the customer, but then also planning for something that's next year at the same time. Yes, it is a, it is a, I'm just going to say crazy. It's just a really interesting cycle. So like right now, the, the, what I'm working on, you know, that's, that I'm not posting on social media and whatever is that I'm working on design work for next year. So I'm doing some things that will come out throughout the year, um, next year, like day in the life, you know, some, some of the project design sort of thing. So that's really, you know, I'm here during regular working hours, just working on that design work and to be able to have somebody else that is monitoring our social media accounts or posting to the social media accounts has really enabled me to be able to just focus on what I need to focus on right now. And Mm -hmm. then I'll shift again to, uh, we have like another scrapbook kit coming out, black and white scrapbook kit. So I'll shift to making projects for that. Um, But letting other people do some of the other things, I think has been a huge learning experience for me as well as like, I can't imagine not letting go of a lot of those pieces because I just couldn't do it all. So we'll get into more of that. But first I have another question for you. Go. go, Um, go. We also love to talk about our memory keeping bucket list. This is a story that feels really important to tell. It can be, you know, it can be difficult. It can be challenging. It can also be, you know, more trivial and lighthearted, but it feels like significant. So what is one story that's still on your memory keeping bucket list? So one of the, I have started this one. So I started a garden journal this year, like a garden notebook where Mm -hmm. I am just adding, you know, photos of flowers, stories about things I'm doing in the yard. And I am loving working on that project. And I don't know that it, qualifies as a bucket list, but it's something that I'm definitely really excited about right now. And like, I want to, I need to go need, want to, I always have like the needs, shoulds, blah, blah. Um, 
I want to, I want to put a few more stories into that and keep up with that. That's really one of my kind of outside focuses right now. Um, I tell so many stories all the time, you know, like, and I, and I don't shy away really from the hard stories and I just kind of am telling stories all the time. So I, it's harder for me to think of like, what's a bucket list story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause a lot of times they just come up too, right? Like I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I need to do something with this black and white paper. So I'll scroll back through my photos and be like, oh yeah, that's a great, I could tell that story today. Like that feels like a good story. Um, but nothing that's like super burning the garden one. I just really enjoy. Cause I love having a home for all the pictures of the stuff that I do in my yard, you know, and, and the basic things. Cause that's really my hobby where, you know, for a lot of people, memory keeping is their hobby. And for me, it's, it's more of a job, but it's a job that I love, but it's nice to have like a gardening hobby and something that I can go outside and, and not have to think about memory keeping specifically when I'm out there. Well, I think sometimes you look at your, you know, your photo feed and you see there's a, there's a theme here. Like, yes, I'm taking everyday life photos. I'm taking big moment photos, but then there's a lot of this one thing. Like right now for me, it's my cats. Yes. And for you, it's your gardening. Oh, I could do one about my cats too. Yeah. Good time cats. Yes. <laughs> we cats have to like <laughs> almost create a project to yeah. have a home for those because they yeah. can overtake maybe more of the everyday storytelling because there is more than just the gardening and the cats. Totally, totally. And I think that I really, one of the things that I value in memory keeping is to be able to see like things together. Mm -hmm. So like in the past when I've done Project Life, you know, it would be a big combination of lots of different things, right? And I loved that project when I was working on it. I just got to a point where I was like, I just, this isn't fitting what I want to do for myself anymore. But being able to have one binder or one in this case, like traveler's notebook, that's just for those garden stories. Like I'm super excited Mm -hmm. to, to finish that one for this year and be able to see all of those stories in one place that tell a bigger story, right? There's a bigger story than each one of those individual, uh, little photos too. When I think things like garden stories or other home things were, or even like recipes where there's like a, there's a, a, the little bit of legacy aspect or the, even just the record keeping of this is what I did. This is where yes. I put it. Uh, it's helpful to just to remember for the future. Yeah. Record keeping is a good term. I really like that because that's kind of part of what I wanted to be doing in this garden notebook is record keeping, right? Of just even noting like, when did I plant? What was the date when I planted something? You know, because half the time I plant stuff and I don't remember. And then it comes up and I'm like, is that a plant or is that a weed? I hope that's a plant. But yeah, having record keeping is something that, yeah, I love that term. Yeah, we have a debate every year about how to properly prune our lilac. And so it's more on, okay, did the lilac turn out well this year? Okay, do that again. Yes. Versus, oh, it really didn't turn out well this year. There were almost no blooms. We must have done something wrong. Yes. And that's such a good example of something that I think that I haven't done a lot of that I would like to, because especially in the yard, because there's such a big time difference between those Mm -hmm. things, you know, like where it's a year later and you're like, what did I do last year? You think you're going to remember, but no, you don't No, Like, you know, and what was that thing I planted there? So yeah, that's a little bit of the approach I've, I'm wanting to take with that. I think it's still more structured maybe that I want it to be in terms of how I'm approaching it. Like I'm like still being really crafty with it rather than letting it be, um, just record keeping. I kind of want it to be a mix. I don't know. That's, these are just thoughts I'm having about it. (laughs) 
Sometimes it's hard. I tried to, I started a, a little bullet journal and I wanted it to be more documentation, record keeping, just like more like note taking. But then yeah. I found myself going creative with it and I'm like, oh, well, what is this now? And like sometimes our own natural tendencies come out anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you might be kind of like me where you want to define it. Right. Yes. Like you want, but it's you sometimes want. hard. I also resist the define the definition <laughs> sometimes. That's all. I do too. I'm totally like, nope, nope, nope. Up. Oh, recognize that's happening. Nope. Don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Oh, totally. Uh, so the, the topic that I came up with for us to chat about is letting go of control in our lives and our creativity because you've been open that this is something you've continued to work on, have to actively practice. Mm-hmm. And you've already mentioned some things related related to business. But I'm curious if you look back in your life, is there a particular memory from growing up that stands out as a moment you realized that maybe you had more of a, a type A personality or you had perfectionism? What what do you remember? Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, when I think back, I, I think that I often think more about, you know, like, why am I like this? Like, why, mm-hmm. why is this something for me? And I think in my household growing up, I had uh, really strict parents, um, parents that were strict and that high, had high expectations and a lot of kind of do as, well, not a lot. There was some do as I say, not as I do. And some other issues that I think also added to probably what was just my own personality traits, but added to the desire to want to control my environment or mm-hmm. control what's happening to me because I had some lack of control uh, when I was growing up based on, you know, inability to make certain decisions and things that my parents just took on. Um and so I think that that has definitely influenced. I'm I'm the oldest of of three kids, so I definitely have a little bit of that. I am a one on the Enneagram scale, so I'm very into what's right and <laughs> right and wrong, <laughs> um, and you know, like things to be a certain way. Um, but the control part, you know, when I look back, I I can't identify a specific time, like when I was a teenager where, where I noticed, oh, I am a perfectionist because I think at that time I still saw it as a strength, you know, like, oh, this is, I'm so, I, you know, oh, I'm going to kill this thing. And I'm so great at the, you know, like that kind of stuff or, or saw the perfectionism traits more as a positive rather than a negative, And so when, as I try to think like, at what point in my life did I realize that that wasn't going to work for me anymore? Um, I wonder a little bit if, if some of that was influenced, like when Simon was born before he turned two, he was diagnosed with autism or Mm -hmm. actually when he was around three. And I think that that probably more than anything in my life impacted, um, my, like, it's kind of like the start of letting go, I think for me, you know, the start of the time where I was like, nothing is going to be the way that I envisioned it was going to be. And that was going to be okay. And we're just going to move forward in how that is. And so, you know, lots of other, I think areas of my life where I've bumped up the bumped against that desire for, for control. But with Simon, I've just learned so many things over the years of, working on figuring out what's actually important in the moment and what's not important. Mm. Uh, That's what I continue to work on all the time is, you know, is this something that's actually important and I need to stop everything to focus on it? Or is this my mind 
you know, playing tricks on me and trying to act like something else is actually important when it's not. And a lot of like, kind of like we said in the beginning, like there's a lot of questions that I'm asking myself and a lot of checking myself. I think I'm always kind of checking myself. Like, am I focusing on the thing that's actually important, you know, or, or do I need to let go of something else that I've been holding on to too tightly? Yeah, sometimes we kind of find ourselves doing the things we know we don't want to do. We we have this vision of, okay, I want more, let's just say like more space or peace or relaxation in my life. And then you find yourself doing things that don't support that in any way. Yeah, right. We make choices that go against what would be better uh, yeah. for ourselves. But I also think it's, you know, there's a lot of societal things that go into it too. And in my family of origin, it was very, you know, like, being a successful person felt like that was high on the list mm-hmm. um, of things that we were supposed to do, right? You know, go to college and find a good job. And, you know, even if I was going to be a stay-at-home mom situation, I would still know how to play golf so that if my husband or the business people I was going to work with played golf, then I would know how to play golf. You know, it was that, that was kind of the the vibe growing up. I mean, there were, you know, it's everybody's own family story has lots of chapters and, and things too. And mine's the same as everyone else's in that respect. Sure. There's just, there's always a sense of expectation, whether it's a positive direction or a negative right. direction. Yeah. So. And I don't even know, like I can, I can probably argue that there were positive things about that too. But I think where I sit in life right now as a 46 year old person, you know, the things that I value now, which are are significantly different, it's like, you know, saying no and slowing down and not overscheduling and, you know, valuing family time or, you know, the, the, how our family is doing, you know, over, over lots of other things too. What I'm trying to imagine how this works for others in terms of like those big shifts in your life, whether it's when you had, when you had children, got married, uh, entered a blended family, um, you know, all those things, you know, maybe somebody had a a significant illness or as you (laughs) mentioned, uh, you know, a significant diagnosis, those things make us pause um, and think about, okay, what do I need to accept to move on here? And do I need to let go of something in order to move on? Right. And it's just, it's not simple. (laughs) No, it's not simple and it's not easy. And, you know, mentioning the blended family piece, like that was a, that was another huge shift, I think for me. I mean, we, we waited quite a while and were very conscientious about whether or not we were going to move in together. So he has three kids and I have two kids and, Mm -hmm. and, um, we we really wanted to make sure that we felt like it was going to be the right choice for the majority of the people. And uh, I it, it was definitely the right choice. I'm really glad we did it. It also definitely took me years to um, readjust, I think, just in having more people and having different people and having a whole new, um, you know, four new personalities and Lots and lots and lots of letting go over and over and over again, I think has built up my stamina (laughs) for, you know, and my own resiliency, right? My own stamina for, for letting go. Cause there there was no way that I was ever going to be able to control all the different things that were going on. And this is still, I mean, it's still stuff that comes up for me regularly with teenagers too, and trying to figure out, you know, what kind of parents we want to be and, and, you know, we're still figuring it out, right? It's like just an ongoing 
probably once they move out, I'm still going to be trying to figure out what kind of parent I want to be. <laughs> oh, yes, for sure. Right? Then, you're the, then it's a different stage of parenting and you've got to have a different evolution then too. You're always a parent. So Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just thinking that I don't think I would be a scrapbooker if it wasn't for having entered a blended family because I moved here and I entered, we were in a small house with, I had two teenage boys and a new husband and a big dog and I'd never had a dog before. And so I hid out in the bedroom for the first year with my laptop and that's how I found scrapbooking. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I needed that time to kind of adjust and figure out, okay, how do I fit into all of this and and how is this going to work? And, you know, my, I had to do a lot of letting go for sure. Yep. There was no control. I think it's, it is, it is definitely a transition and Mm -hmm. not an easy one, even when you have the best of intentions. I think it's just the, that is, that is what it is. And if you can make it through that and learn a little bit about yourself along the way, I think you're, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> doing pretty sure. good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So one of the projects you lead is One Little Word. And this is where a participant selects a word to connect with and explore throughout the year. How has this particular project helped you kind of stop holding on so tight? I think it is 100% the project where I am the most personally honest in the project. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, I, I think I started, we started doing a class in 2011 was the first year that I did a class. And that was when it was with big picture classes back, you know, back many moons ago now. Um, and the reason why we did a class in the beginning was because I had been picking a word for a few years, but I wanted the consistency of a project around, the the practice of having a word because otherwise I won't do it. Like that's just that's just me. I just know that if I don't have some reason that I have to keep doing it, then I won't do it. And so from the very beginning, it was for me a very personal project. Like it was the place where I wrote about uh the highs and lows and you know maybe things that I wouldn't necessarily put on a scrapbook page, even though I tell lots of you know wide variety of stories there too. Uh, but it was the place where I really was the most honest and I gave myself, have given myself over the years the opportunity to say my truth, right? Or say things that were true for me related to whatever word I was picking. Because for me, each each year I, I pick a word, but I also usually have some underlying thing that I'm trying to work on, right? Or something mm-hmm. that I would like to, some adjustment that I would make in my like to make in my life or just something I want to focus on. I mean, really for me, that's the whole point of it is having something I can focus on for 12 months and then I'll f- pick something else. Uh, and so over the years, it's just those albums are the kind of the home of my growth, right? Like my, of my, of my personal growth from, you know, before I was divorced and after I was divorced and before I met Aaron and after I met Aaron, who's my current husband. And, you know, just, it's kind of the, the place where those stories are told. And I give myself permission to, to work on things, right. And to try to see things in different ways. And I think doing that for the last 10 or so years, um, you know, actively in, in an, in a classroom situation where I didn't have a choice whether or not I got to show up. Like I had to show up every month. Um, that works for me (laughs) in terms of, of bringing me back to the project. And it's worked for me, I think in my own development as a person. 
do you think that there's been a letting go in, in terms of sharing so openly that that was something that you had to actively like practice and allow yourself to do? Um, I think, you in, know, particularly last year you were, I mean, you've always been very open and honest, but last year you got very, very personal. Um, yeah, I, I think, let's see, that's a good question. I think that it's, that it's a practice. I think that I've always felt like from the beginning, I, I never shied away, especially in that classic, like in the recordings, mm-hmm. I, it would be really interesting for me to go back and like, listen to, cause I record a message every month, right. For, you know, previously in the, in the previous versions of the class, it was just me. And so it was me recording, a, a you know, myself talking to the camera about whatever the prompt was and like sharing whatever was happening in my own life. Um, so there's been lots of that kind of sharing, like it just became the place for that for me. And then sharing, just generally sharing has feels different to me now than it did before. And I think that has a lot to do with social media, a lot to do with like the stakes feel so much higher um, Mm. related to personal sharing that I find myself sometimes confused. um, Confused is afraid, confused, unsure, you know, of the things I want to share, how much do I can want to continue sharing? Like those are things I've been wrestling with like for the last couple of years in the classroom itself. I don't have as many, you know, in, in there, I'm kind of like, let's just be real. Right. Mm-hmm, like we need a mm-hmm. place where we can be real. We can share the, sh- the hard parts and the, I'm going to swear. I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. <laughs> the parts okay. that are hard, you know, the, the, all those, all those, all those different pieces. So for me, it's been a really um, valuable project. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you, you talk about kind of that, the tension, the difficulty in sharing on social media and, and, and what's okay. And, and how do you want to connect with that or yeah. intentionally disconnect? But I also know from my own growth as the older I get, the less I care what other people think too. Yep. Yep. And it's the more the, I'm willing to just like put it all out there. Yes. And I think that that's the, the, the dance that I've been doing Yeah, because I, I, I feel like I tend more towards that now, but I still, I'm still like, is this the place where I want to say all my things? You know, I'm talking, I'm thinking specifically like Instagram, right? Like, is this the place where I want to say all my things? I don't know that it's the place that I want to say all my things. Like, I think that's what keeps coming up for me. I don't know. I'm on a love hate with it right now. <laughs> Well, and those platforms keep changing under us and there's more and more, and I think they continue, will continue to change. There'll be new platforms that we can't even like dream of right now. Right. right? Yeah. It comes after TikTok. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I started doing all of this when there was no Facebook and there was Mm -hmm. no Instagram, there was no social media at the time when I first started, like I started a blog in 2004. And so that was kind of what it was at that time until Facebook started. And then, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. It's run away from there. It's a thing. It's a, it's a thing. And I actually, I mean, I, I do invest time like in, in trying to learn about the reasons why maybe it's not very good for us. Yeah. And I think the more time I spend reading about that kind of stuff, the more I'm like, ah, I still want to scrapbook. I still want to tell my stories. I still want to do, you know, all of the different memory keeping things, but maybe I don't want to participate in the same way that I was participating previously. That's kind of 
where I'm at. Well, and I imagine you still want to you want to connect with your community too. And how do you do that in a way that balances those desires as well as the reality of the world? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And like I took. I think it was last, it was a year ago or a little bit over a year ago when I said that I was going to not be on Facebook, you know, and I'm not actively posting on there and I'm not participating in the Facebook groups except for, our, even for our company, except for um, one little word, because that one I just haven't been able to let go of in the same way. But it definitely has uh, been good for my mental health to take a step back from, even though I want to participate in the community, it's really hard for me sometimes not like I'd still creep on there sometimes (laughs) (laughs) peek in there and see what's happening. But I think for me, I, I am the person who can feel a lot of responsibility. And so I was taking a lot of responsibility for all of the different things that were happening, you know, on any of our social media channels. And it just at a point at a certain point is just too much. Yeah. Um, and, and needed to take a step back. So that's been good for, for my mental health and, and we've got other people that are participating and, and, you know, creating community and, and hopefully serving our community in a really good way in, in those spaces too. Oh, they definitely are. Um, I'm, I'm curious, is there another aspect of your personal life or is this the one that stands out the most where you feel like you've made progress, um, opening up to uncertainty or imperfection and, and what have you seen from that? Oh, I'd say it's has every piece of my life, every piece of it has been touched Mm -hmm. by this in one way or another. Um, A lot, a lot of it has to do, I think, just even here in our own house of all of the different things that I've been working on letting go of. Uh, A lot for me right now personally is just related to to teenagers and the way that I grew up and bumping up against a lot of um, me thinking it was, you know, it's supposed to be a certain way and actually, but but me not thinking that at the same time, like me knowing that, wait a minute, this isn't the way that you, you didn't like the way that it was done before. You probably don't want to do it this way this time, but that's still my initial response is to be strict. And so I'm actually, that's a a therapy for me, right? I mean, I'm going to therapy because it's helping me (laughs) figure Mm -hmm. out, you know, how to actually be the person that I want to be. Um, So lots and lots of letting go related to that, letting go of things like, in our house too, you know, we got boxes around, like keeping a really tidy house is, is like one of the least important things to me now. And I think previously that was something that I cared a lot more about. And now I'm like, is everybody happy? Is yes. everybody okay? Who, you know, like checking in with each one of those kids and, and, and Aaron too, of like, you know, how is everybody doing? Are we okay? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's my focus is way more on that than, you know, what the, living room looks like because i think sometimes we kind of get on that hamster wheel of just of of living but then we forget to also connect at the same time you have to intentionally pause which i feel like i've used your word now a couple times yeah here, so. no it's such a good because word this so, word yes. so relevant for for what you're going through yeah 100 percent. because if you don't if you if you lack the ability to pause then you mm-hmm. lack the ability to see what's happening around you Right. Like you're, you get, it it can be so easy to have tunnel vision of like, I'm living in this space. This is the space I am in. I have no control when really we have lots of opportunity to make different choices, you know, whether it's the decisions we make or how we interact with other people and our families. Um, Yeah. I'm just working a lot on when the moments show up, when I have an initial reaction and I'm like, wait a minute, that is actually, I have to pause and go like, wait, that's not how I want to react in this situation. I'm going to do something different. And so a lot of my energy, I think right now is going into, um, 
that kind of stuff just with our kids too, which is fun and joyful. And I love having them around and they're not all going to be around for very long, right? Like it's a fleeting sort of thing. But yeah, I think definitely the, the letting go infiltrates everything. Yeah. And I think the more you practice that, I think the easier it gets too. Like you could, you're kind of training yourself in a new mental groove to maybe react differently or react just with a pause. 100%. And then being able to transfer what you learn in one area of your life into another area of your life. Like as we're talking here, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about, so Katie Jagger, who works for me and has worked for me, she was started as a nanny um, for Anna when Anna was born. She's my 13-year-old. And now Katie's like the boss of our business. Like she's the one that she's handles the vast majority and tells me what to do, which is great. Like that's, I'm, I'm here for that. But that in and of itself too, was like years of the, the two of us getting to know each other years of, um, you know, me starting to let go of certain things to be like, okay, why don't you be in charge of that now? Um, and that took me a long time. Like I am not the person that's going to be like, oh yeah. Okay. Somebody else can be the boss of that now. But just like you said, from all of the years of doing that, and uh, practicing letting go, now where I sit today, I am much more likely to say, yeah, that's not, I, I'm not going to do that. Somebody else could do that, <laughs> you know, or like that, that doesn't fit into what I need to be working on right now. We need to have somebody else uh, do that thing. Or for me to go, oh my God, I'm holding on way too tight to whatever it is right now. And I can feel that in my body, I think, after practicing for so many years, Um it has physical manifestations when I am trying to control things that, you know, pop up in my body versus when I'm letting it go. Yeah. It can feel like weirdly, like it feels weird and a little exciting. Like, Oh, somebody else can do that. Yes. Um, but, but wait, should I let them do that? Like, yes. is it going to be okay? And yes. you go through the whole mental conversation yes. about it. I'm sure Katie would have lots of stories actually about that, <laughs> about, about her, you know, hanging in there while I, you know, make decisions on, yes. Okay. I'm going to let go of that. And, you know, it's a, it's a trust, a relationship that's been built on trust over many, many years too, to where I'm like, yes, you're right. Okay, good. Yep. Let's have somebody else do that so that I can focus on this other thing. When I think it's definitely been this evolution, but in the past year, I think I've seen kind of a jump in terms of you handing off even more creative leadership to guest instructors, to your team members, you know, how has that felt as, as you've gone through it? It's been great. And I think for that is the culmination of lots of years, right? Of lots of years of letting go of of different little things here and there, but Mm -hmm. also coming to the point in the lifespan of, you know, or my own life of how, you know, lots of questions, right? Of how long, how long am I working? How long, you know, does this business exist without me? That's one of our big questions, right? That we've Mm -hmm. been now investigating is is this something that can that can live beyond me even if i'm continue you know even if i'm always participating to some degree which that will always be an option or if i decide i wanted to do something else which i'm not doing anything else right now um but you know i think it's some of that is a result of 
getting to that point in the evolution of the business to just say, okay, you know, let's start putting some things in place now uh, for when the time comes when I'm like, I would like to pivot and do something else, or I would like to, you know, just do the story class stuff or whatever, whatever it is at that point in time. So there's a little bit of that, but that is also definitely paired um, with cultural revelations and my own desire to not have everything be about me and that we have so many, there are so many more people in our community that are amazing at storytelling, amazing at creating, uh, you know, that it just isn't, it just doesn't need to be about me all the time, which still sounds weird when I say it out loud because, but that's the reality. And, and I am much more interested in seeing projects from a wider variety of people than seeing my own projects. <laughs> so you recently, you've been piloting a new brand ambassador program. Yes. So how does that fit into this evolution in terms so, of expressing your, your, your goals and your reality of understanding the world? Yeah. So that, that fits in 100%. I think we have had amazing creative team members, many long, long-term creative team members that have worked with us for a long time. And when we first started doing that, our, the main criteria that we had was that we wanted people that included words in their projects, right? So if you are new to scrapbooking, let's say you're just here, you know, there's a, a wide variety of ways that people scrapbook. And some people include lots of words in their projects and other people are, you know, maybe tend towards more just the creative play of it, right? And they like mm -hmm. to layer things and they like to play with color and they like to do all those other things. But for my brand, what I wanted is I wanted people that were interested in in storytelling and including words in their projects. It doesn't have to be all the time, but that that is one of their main focuses. And so that really played into how we selected our creative team, you know, along with being able to take lovely looking photos, right. And have your white balance correct and, and, and things like that. So some of the technical pieces, but we got to a certain point and this is both Katie and I, for sure, where it just didn't, the creative team, the, the, you know, bringing people like, like the, the process of having, it's almost like you're grading people, right? Like people are applying for this team. And, and then if you got, if you are selected, then that, you know, changes your status or, or whatever. I don't know. I hope that I'm explaining this correctly. Um, we just didn't want to, I didn't want to play that game anymore. I think of, you know, you're good enough so you can be on this team. And then we have to say no to other people. So what we decided to do was try to reimagine it. Like what is a different way that we could do this where we have a wider, um, diversity, not only of ethnicities, but of the ways that people tell stories, right? Lots of different people using our products to tell their stories. So what is a way that we can have a bigger table and not, you know, have it be in the way that it was in the past? And so this is our starting place. So having switching to a brand ambassador program with, you know, our long-term goal is to have it be the kind of thing where if anybody wants to participate in it, they can be a brand ambassador. And there, you know, there's like one requirement. There's not a, it's is not the same as a creative team in the past. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. Like, we're just trying to, we want to have more people involved and more people included and, and look for opportunities to highlight just the wider variety of stories that are being told because there's a wider variety of people living. I mean, you know, obviously the, some of it sounds so obvious when I say it, but the world is not just all people using white cardstock and, 
um, you know, long, long words on their project. So that's, that's, that's where we're heading. It's, it's very imperfect. And we recognize that it's going to be imperfect, but we want to, we want to move in that direction. And so we, that's what we did. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's very exciting, and I think it's an important model for the industry because obviously there's a lot of design teams out there, and I know they've all been wrestling with this question of how do we make the work that uh, individuals are creating on our behalf reflect the broader diversity of scrapbookers that are out there. Yeah. It's it just got to the point where I didn't want to do it anymore, and I didn't yeah. want Katie to do it anymore, and we needed to come up with a di- different solution. And so this is, like I said, this is our starting point. And I would also say that we are definitely like as a team, every decision that we make, we are asking ourselves: Is there someone else that can be included here? Who who mm-hmm. who could we highlight that is different than someone we've highlighted before? Like that's a that. become a significantly more of a core piece of our decision making. Again, not perfect, and mm-hmm. we'll always have people that we work with because th- that we rely on that it, we've come to rely on, right? So there there will be repeat people um, from from time to time, but we also want to make sure that we're we are creating a bigger table. Well, I think as you take off your teaching hat a little bit more and let others share it and wear it, um, I've seen more kind of you following along with others' prompts. And yeah. I'm curious if, the, if that is easier or more difficult than creating something just original from your head. I actually really enjoy following along with other people um, and seeing what they are doing. I would say I am, this is going to sound funny because I, I am a rule follower, but with creativity, I'm not always. So if somebody, Mm -hmm. and you might be like this too, Jennifer, I don't know. Like if somebody tells me what to do, I like in a class situation, I still will probably do it different (laughs) than the way, you know, however it was like said to do it. I think that that's just a part of my own personality. And I'm laughing to myself because when I was in school for graphic design and I had a, um, like a figure drawing class, you know, and everybody's trying to make these, you know, lifelike figure drawing, uh, figure drawings of people, which I don't really have any interest in at all. Um, so I was like very shape based. So my people mm-hmm. were like these cubist <laughs> kinds That's of really people. Cool. Cause I was like, I don't really, you know, I I'm interested in shapes and I'm interested in how shapes combine together, which is, you know, how bodies are right. Bodies are made of shapes too. Um, but that's a that's a good example of kind of a peek into my personality, I think sometimes too. But I I I love having other people teach. I think that teaching is such a let's see, how do I even explain this? Like being able to teach other people how to do things or to share something in a teaching way is a path towards learning, right? We mm, learn yes, more yes. about ourselves through the process of teaching other people how to do things. And so letting other people, you know, giving other people opportunities to teach, I think is great for the community overall. And it also gives people the opportunity to learn from from different people, right? Or different ways of doing things. Again, that it doesn't always, it's not like, just because I've, you know, created this space for myself within this industry, it still doesn't mean that I know everything, right? Right, And that I am the be all end all. I think that it's way better when it's a, a community of people working together. 
Well, I think I've seen this most notably with you and stamping because you said that you're not like the most technique fancy, you know, uh, no expert stamper, but you've, you're excited to learn. You love, obviously you love the products yeah, and you've been learning from others and, and demonstrating from that kind yep. of the student perspective. Yeah. I don't, I have, I never have any expectation about myself that I should be the expert on all things. Like that's just not. And I think for a long time there, even with like, ha- like you know, before we started working with Laura Wanzik or, you know, having other people do stamping stuff, like stamping is just something for me. Like I do love stamps, but I don't, I'm not passionate about it in the ways that other people are. And I'm like, I've been Mm -hmm. adding stamps onto my projects forever. Like, you know, back when it was just, there weren't even acrylic stamps. There were just woodblock stamps. Like I've always loved that kind of messy, the imperfect quality of adding those things into my projects. But, you know, there's other people like Jennifer McGuire or even Kathy Zilski now who use stamps in really amazing ways, not necessarily in memory keeping, but, you know, way more for cards. But there are all these other people that are that know way more. And why, you know, I I would rather highlight people that know more than me that, you know, I'm just sticking the stamp on the underneath my photo and, and calling it good. But I like the play, you know, like like recently where I did a bunch of, um, stamping, you know, on layouts that then I put into a YouTube series. Like that was fun too, right? You know, here's the stamps that I need to use. It's kind of the starting place. And then what are the stories that I'm going to use that those stamps can support? Like that's kind of my, my outlook on those ones. I know it took me a long time to just use anything other than black ink because black was always reliable. I'm still, yeah, I still, I still tend towards black, like black, the stays on is my go-to. It's just the thing that's always on my desk. And then I have to kind of remember that I have other uh, colors there. But I think like for me, that's one of the things I'm liking about how I'm working right now is, you know, okay, here we have a new stamp release coming up. So I'm going to do a bunch of projects with that. Um, and that can be my main focus, right? And I'm using the stamps as the jumping off point. Okay. I know I'm going to use the stamp in this project. What's a way that I can use this to support my story or to just try something different or, um, you know, lots of alphabets are what I still continue to love, but yeah, being able to start, start with that as the jumping off point. I think that the stamps particularly works has worked really well for me in terms of incorporating more of those into my, into my projects too. Yes. When it's, it's fun to just have a different, a different starting point. Cause we can all, I love how you can choose a stamp or a product or a story or a photo. There's always an entry point into doing something else. And I think we sometimes have this pressure to, to choose one as like the right way yes. rather than just like pick, no, pick the thing and then, yeah. and then make the thing. Yeah. Pick the thing and make the thing is 100. I'm 100% behind that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So as you are, whether it's creating projects or designing for something that's coming out in the future, do you ever feel pressure that the next thing needs to be even more epic than the last? That's a good question. I don't, I've said, let's see if if I can remember this story. I have an antidote, like a story, antidote's not the right word. Um, I have a story that was related to something sometime really with, with Heidi Swap and I, where Heidi is an innovator and I am a sustainer. I don't know if you've ever heard me say that before. No. Um, But it's very much like over the, you know, I've known Heidi for a long time now and she's somebody that I think is obviously very, very creative and loves thinking up new, you know, products or new ways to use the products. And I am more of the person that's like, 
let's do the project again. We're going to do the mm-hmm. same thing again. And maybe we're going to tweak a few things this time. So I don't really think in terms of epic, like that's not my goal isn't to make the next coolest, most epic thing. My goal is how can we keep this, how can we continue to have this be a relevant project, right? Mm-hmm. How can we continue to make this project or, or how, you know, when, like when we're designing the products for, like, I'm thinking of December daily in my head, right yeah. now. you know, like what, what are the things that we can add to this year's collection, which are actually going to give people more opportunity to focus on their story, right? Like those are the ways that we kind of think about it. So it's not epic in terms of we're going to, you know, create the coolest thing ever, but, but more focused on the sustainability of the project, I think. Um, yeah. And I've noticed that with, in terms of just like kind of shifting the types of products that you offer more homes for your stories, as you've said, yep. and yep. ways that we can just get more of those words onto the page or onto the pocket or star shaped yeah. card or whatever, right. whatever, easier. yes, whatever, whatever it is, whether you're wanting to work, you know, outside of the page protector versus inside the page protector. I just, and, and I would say that I think gets back to that letting go too, right? There's a little bit of that, of not feeling like that every scrapbook page needs to fit into one size, right? You know, so for mm, me, for yes. many years, I did 12 by 12 scrapbooking, right? I did that for years and years. And then I did a, a few eight and a half by 11 size pages. And then we, I did Project Life. And then I've been doing lots and lots of six by eight pages, outside of the page protector now, like that's kind of what what my home, my current memory keeping home is in that size. And, and I love it. Like I'm really happy there. And so I'm going to keep doing it there until I am bored of that. And then I want to move on to something else. And I want to normalize that for everybody, right? That it can, it doesn't matter what size you're working in right now or what size I'm working in. It's like, what is going to help you tell your stories in a way that you want to do it? You know, that there's not Mm, a right or a wrong, right? I've been saying that all along also. Not a right or a wrong. You can change your mind. And like, I I thought at first I was like, notebooks, nope, not doing those. I don't need another thing to do. I don't need to do a notebook. And now I'm totally like, I love notebooks. Notebooks are great. (laughs) So, you know, I can be wrong. Well, I think when we kind of uh, force ourselves into like, because I've always done it this way, I have to continue doing it. That's when we lose inspiration. That's when we lose motivation and kind of maybe even stop altogether because we're, we're butting up against our own like creative desires. Yes. Yep. 100%. Or even like that, you know, if like I used to care a lot about my albums matching that used to mm-hmm. be something I used to care about. I do not care about that anymore. Like I've got so many albums of different sizes, colors, shapes, like that. I, I think I did a video. I think this is last year. I did a video about how, you know, the albums are just the home, right? Like you said a couple yes. minutes ago, right? The albums are just the vessel. The albums are the home for all the stories. I don't really care what they look like on the outside um, because it's the stuff on the inside that that really matters to me. But those are the things that can trip people up, right? They're like, oh my God, I can't get the same album to have my, you know, 20 albums the same color. And no, so no, I'm not going to do it anymore. I think that particular video was really uh, significant last year because I, I kept hearing it be referred to again and again in terms of uh, allowing our community to embrace more of that, you know, letting go of things being matchy-matchy yeah. in terms of like, let's let's see our albums as 
homes, containers for our stories and really focus on what's inside, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I want to talk just a little bit about making mistakes. So, (laughs) you know, particularly when we're, I mean, stamping is probably one of the best examples, but journaling, there's all kinds of opportunities to screw up in scrapbooking. And you tend to have a very positive attitude when it comes to this. And I'm curious, are there any like totally frustrated swearing clips we don't see where something goes in the trash and you're just pissed off for a bit and then you redo it? I love this question. Yeah. I (laughs) I love this question when I I read it, when you gave it to you before. Um, I can only, this is this, I don't know if this is sounds crazy or not. I can only think of like one or two times that I actually threw something in the garbage. So for me, it's very unlikely that I would bag a whole thing completely. I think it's more likely that I would be like, yeah, I don't love this as much, but I'm already this far into it and I'm just going to finish it because I know it's just going to go into a collection of many, 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 many other stories, Mm -hmm. right? And so my that is one of the areas I think in my life where I am very flexible and I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, I made a mistake. So now I'm going to reprint the photo or, you know, I am, you know, I cut that wrong. So now I'm going to try to cut it again. I think one of the reasons why I don't have a lot of freakouts about it maybe is partly because there, we have so many digital options so that I can always, mm. I can almost always reprint something. So that, probably plays into it a little bit. The things that will make me the most frustrated in my office are computer problems. Um, If I have any problems with the computer, with the printers, which is, you know, the printer problems come up. So that's when I, yeah. yeah, So I don't have any videos of me like swearing at my printer, but that definitely happens um, from time to time of like, ah, you know, like even a couple of weeks ago, I had some, I think it was because I installed like a new version of Photoshop. And so then it didn't maintain like the color profiles that I had previously. Yes. So it was printing out these horrible colors. And I just was like, ah. and, and w- most of the time for me, it's like, I don't have enough time. Like I'm <laughs> like on some sort of deadline where I'm like, this can't be the problem right now. Um, so yeah, more, I would say more printer related issues than just when I'm, when I'm at my desk working most of the time, I, am very flexible and can be like, Oh, Oh, what? Okay. That didn't work. And I need to reprint this again, or, you know, I need to cover that up or, or do something else. So that's pretty, that's pretty true to, to how I work. Um, Did you think that came with, with time and just having done this for so long? I think it's possible. I think that I'm also like, like maybe there are other areas in my life where I am more rigid and this mm-hmm. is not one of them. Like that's that's kind of what I feel like about it. That it's I I can't I can't think of a time where it was really like oh my god I made such a huge mistake that I'm gonna freak out about it because um, I think most of the time it's something that can be redone. And the practice for me probably has been that I've you know there's sometimes when I've re like I've if I have typed up journaling and I've made a mistake. I mean sometimes I leave it. It kind of depends on what the mistake is. But there's also Certainly. times where like if I don't find it then, or, or or if I do find it that I'll reprint it like four times. You know like that happens. And so sometimes you don't always see that on the video. But I try to leave those kinds of things in too, where I'll be like, oh yeah, here I am. I just reprinted that one again. Yep. Nope. Found another thing now. Reprinted or or cut again. the thing weird or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever yeah. it is that that happened. Um, 
yeah, I think it's interesting to think about it in terms of my, of my personality too. And, and, you know, this is just seems to be an area where I'm like, all right, like, we'll just move on. But there are tons of other areas in my life where I get really mad about things. <laughs> wow. You know, more, con- want more control over, over how things are going to. Well, it's so interesting to think about in terms of maybe that's part of how you've been able to have a turn a a hobby into a business and allow it to thrive because you don't have that same sense of, of control and perfectionism over it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting. And I think that that like on the flip side, like from the creative standpoint of the business, that is definitely true. I think on the back end of the business, um, I definitely have struggled more with wanting to be in control and that's taken longer mm-hmm. for me to let go of, of some of those kinds of things. So I think that that's an interesting way to look at it. Cause I, in my head, I can separate, you know, like I'm making a scrapbook page and I'm doing something crafty and I love doing that. I would be doing it anyway, even if it wasn't a part of my job, but then there are other parts of my job that are like the, you know, more hardcore businessy things where there's definitely been times where I've had a harder time letting go or Certainly. not being in control uh, of stuff, which has resulted in swearing and, and other <laughs> bigger <laughs> frustrations. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's real. It's real. I mean, yeah, I mean, we all get frustrated. We all have to deal with the the every days of life. Yep. So Yep. All the time. Are there any particular kind of projects or practices that particularly help you step out of perfectionism? And maybe I'm leading here because I'm particularly thinking of your marks on a page that you were doing last year in painting and other things that really like help you be even more free. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Yeah. So the painting thing, that is really fun. And I actually really, really enjoy that, like doing painting or doing like mixed media sort of stuff. And I did that for a Mm -hmm. while last year. And then I can't really remember why I stopped. I just got out of the habit. I don't know if that like bumped up against December daily stuff or, or what sometimes it gets just really busy in terms of project happenings that are, you know, design work or things that I have to do where I'm like, okay, there's just, I don't have enough time for that in the day. Um, so I put all that away for a while and I've been thinking about pulling it back out again because it really is a good practice. It's a really good practice for me in, in having it be that there isn't an end result besides just what it is you know, like mm-hmm. I'm not doing mm-hmm. it to monetize it. I'm not doing it to sell prints. I'm just doing it to explore color, right? Or explore shapes. Um, and I think that was really good for me. I really do also think that therapy generally is really good. And so I always like to make sure that I'm normalizing that, um, you know, as a, because perfectionism is part of what we talk about when I am, you know, going there and it's lots of, you know, from lots of different angles. Um, I've also read, I I can't think of any books off the top of my head right now, but it's, it's something that I like to read about too, you know, the process of letting go. And I think, Definitely when I went through the divorce and a lot of the reading that I did at that time was, you know, things about being cracked open and, mm-hmm. and, and what is that like? And, you know, how do you, how do you navigate through that, uh, in a way where you're, you know, still holding on to whatever your most authentic self is, um, yeah, lots and lots and, and lots of letting go over time. 
Yeah. Well, you're just an amazing role model for our community, and I appreciate all the things that you do. Uh, you're so nice. Congratulations on your rebrand too. Thank I, you. I need to reach out and tell you, I've I've long been watching what you do, and I love your aesthetic, and I love how you approach. Um, your, you know, approaching your own community and the community that you've built there. I think it's just really beautiful. So I'm really, I'm happy to get this chance to talk to you. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah. So just to wrap up here, um, Week in the Life is coming up at the end of June. It's a little bit different timing this year. Yeah, mixing it up. Mixing it up. Yeah. How can our listeners use this type of documenting project as an opportunity for themselves to practice some releasing of control? Oh, man. This is this is an intense project to release control on. Um, so Week in the Life seven-day documenting project, I think one of the biggest things that people can do to release control is to just not feel like you have to take a picture of everything and mm. not feel like it's so it's day in the life times seven, right? It doesn't have to be that way. It can be as much of an overview of your week as you want it to. You can be a major deep dive. I mean, most of the times when I've done this project, it's it's a significant deep dive. And the reason why I do it that way is because I've just learned over time that I really love having one week of a deep dive, right? One week in our life over the last however many years now that I've been doing it, that just kind of shows what's the flow and, you know, what are people into and and those kinds of a thing, those kinds of things. But it can also just be, you know, you decide you want to take five photos each day over the course of the week. And that can be a really beautiful representation of what your life looks like right now. And I think that's one of the things that I hope with, you know, the, either the brand ambassadors or just showcasing more, uh, people in the community is showing different ways that people do these projects, right. That they can be done in a mini book or they can be done in a bigger album. Like that there's so many different ways that it can be approached. It doesn't have to just be in this, you know, the specific way that I do it or the specific way that, um, we've seen it done before. Yeah. One thing that stands out to me is being okay with taking bad photos. I think yeah. that happens for, for week in the life or day in the life or December daily, anything where you're taking probably more photos than usual. Yeah. Uh, you could, there's an active need, at least for me to practice. Okay. The objective here is to capture what's real, not to take the most perfect, beautiful photo yes. ever. 100%. Yeah. Yes. I, I totally believe in that for sure. And I think that that a lot of that, right. There's a lot of letting go in that, like letting go of, of this need to take a perfect picture. And then I always am like, well, what's a perfect picture anyway? Like some of my most favorite pictures are the grainy, uh, mm-hmm. pictures that I've taken of all of our family together, like sitting on the couch, right. Or sitting around the dining room table. Like the fact that I have years and years and years of those kinds of photos where not everybody's looking at the camera, but they're all mm. in the space together. Like those are some of my most valuable ones. The color might be totally off. So I turn it to black and white and then it's even more that I like it even more Yeah. Um, after that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The opportunity to, it's, the project is a great opportunity to practice photography just in and of itself. But also, like you said, a great opportunity to practice practice like owning what your own story is. I mean, I feel like it comes back to that a lot, right? Because if you're taking pictures around your house and all you're thinking as you take those pictures is, I hate my house. I hate this. I don't like this. You know, you're thinking about all the things that you don't like. Like this actually can be an opportunity to either 
change what you don't like, right? Do something different or to embrace that this is the life that you are living and you have a choice of how you want to approach that. And that impacts the way you look through the lens of your camera. Hmm. What a, what a beautiful way to end this conversation. Because I think that so much gets at the heart of memory keeping yeah. that we get to see our lives through our creativity and that helps us uh, live live better. That's the, that's, I, that's what I believe 100% after doing this for so long. Yep. Can you share where our listeners can find you online and anything else new or fun you have coming up? Yeah, you can find me, AllieEdwards.com. That's where we have blog and shop and classes and all of those things. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm at Allie Edwards. And then we have a business Instagram account with lots of, you know, information about products and projects. That's at Allie Edwards Design Inc. on Instagram. Um, those are kind of the main places. We also have a Facebook group called Craft the Story. And that's another place where people are doing lots of sharing, lots of community sharing happening in there. The only other thing we have coming up besides um, Week in the Life is our travel release is coming, I think, next week. Yeah, I believe it's next week. Um, so that is kind of the next the next project round that many people get very excited about the travel stuff. So um, yeah, because we're all excited about traveling again. Right? So. <laughs> I know. Yes, I know. It's a. We went to Las Vegas last weekend um, for a birthday party, and that was really fun. And you know, felt different to be out and about. And got another trip coming up with uh, taking Simon to Star Wars Celebration, which is like the big Star Wars convention. That's next week, Ooh. so we're really looking forward to that one. Yeah, that sounds fun. Star Wars deep dive. <laughs> But yeah, well, Ali, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you're welcome, Jennifer. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you for having me on. And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to Scrapbook Your Way. If you would like to start moving past perfectionism, our free workbook can help. Letting go starts with identifying your real priorities and finding focus. Visit simplescrapper.com slash focus to have the Focus Finder workbook sent to your inbox.